As we discuss later in today's episode, Judd Apatow has a propensity for allowing a comedian to kind of write themselves into a movie. This movie, written by Amy Schumer, is a really honest take, is what it feels like, of Amy's comedy. Um, It's physically fun, and it has a lot of good moments of comedy from a lot of different actors, and I think her writing really allows for that to happen. I don't really love this film, and I really do think that Apatow leaves a lot of fat on the table. This movie is over two hours, it didn't need to be that, but it did mean that we got some really fun scenes, especially from randomly LeBron James and Bill Hader, and Amy Schumer is doing great stuff too, but I do think that there is a tendency in these kind of Apatow properties to become self-indulgent. And I don't know if that's because he's helming it and nobody can say no, or if that's just the way he likes to do things. And if that's so, I know it appeals to a ton of people. And like three quarters of this movie does to me as well, but the other parts of it just feel out of place. So here we go. Once again, another Apatow property. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll cringe, and you'll say, why is Matthew Broderick here? for like a minute. What's up with that? It's a train wreck. Swing time. Hey everybody, it's a gentleman's guide to rom-coms. I'm Ryan Graves with Kelly Song. The drummer for this evening. Who knew? I'm not even the drummer of the two of us. I think we should get you to play the piano on the show. I forgot that you played the piano. You play the piano. Listen. Those are bums. Bums are drums. I mean, I'm sight reading. Now it's a ba, that's still a drum. I need some actual, some... Some clean, ding, there you go. Ding, 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 That's ding, definitely, ding, you know, ding, actually ding, the piano is a percussion instrument. Technically. It is. Well, it's technically a string instrument as well. It's what makes it so mm-hmm. wild and crazy. But we're not here to talk about those things, Ryan. No, because if you put on a concert with just the piano, my friend, you would be a train wreck. Sorry, I, that intro was a train wreck. Yes. Uh, tell me a story quick. Get okay. us out of this train wreck. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. I ask you about love. Probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean, that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. You know who is good at train wrecks? Um, Judd Apatow? Um, <laughs> um, that's to be discussed, but... Bruce Willis from Unbreakable. He's really good at train wrecks. The he is the unbreakable right? Kimmy That's Schmidt. the thing where he he yeah. survives at the beginning. Yeah. 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 That's the one good thing that M. Night Shyamalan ever figured out. Use Bruce Willis more. Yeah. Use Bruce <laughs> Bruce maybe that's the thing. Cause you know, like Bruce Willis's whole thing is he's like, I'd rather not <laughs> these days. Yeah. And he's like, You can pay me a billion dollars to come on set for a couple hours, but that's it. Well, he is fully retired now. So sure he is. No, he is. He announced his retirement. We honor him and salute him. I mean, yeah, sure he is. I, I'm saying 
Bruce Willis doesn't want to be on set, but something. I think he's made a deal with somebody. No, with he, a demon. he literally has his brain damage. He can't work anymore. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Willis. He can't work. I'm sorry for <laughs> any of the things I've ever said. It got really bad because he there was like he was forgetting his lines, and then there was one day where he had a gun and he missed the he. It was the wrong cue, and he shot on the wrong cue. <laughs> he needed to retire. <laughs> Yeah, I worked with an actor on a film set once. We'll not name names. Pretty famous actor. Uh, he was old, had a hard time, had a stroke, and was definitely having a hard time with his lines. And it's, I mean, it's 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 got to be so hard once you get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but you have no choice. You got to keep trying to work. Yeah, it's rough. Um, but this Again, train wreck. this is a different train wreck. This is a different train wreck. <laughs> Um, this uh, starring Bill Hader, Amy Schumer, and LeBron James coming out of, I was going to say left field, but left court. Not left field. Out of the key. Boom. This is his audition for doing Space Jam. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and also Amari Stoudemire, and mm-hmm. I'm a West Coast guy. I didn't know who this who he was, because I guess he played for, well, he played for the Knicks. Is that what was yeah, going Knicks. on? The Knicks. Yeah, but also. I don't keep up with the Knicks. Cleveland, I don't need to keep Cleveland up with the Knicks. Cleveland and Miami where you know it's lebron lebron hails it's lebron everyone knows lebron so let's talk about this film yeah so we meet colin quinn and man is weird to see colin quinn back in the movies i haven't seen him since that one season of snl oh the dad yeah that's right i like this opening where we have a dad who's a bad dad Mm -hmm. maybe not a bad dad but no he's a bad dad he's he's at least a bad husband and not a great dad He's trying to explain to his um, 12 and 8-year-old daughters that uh, uh, daddy's getting a divorce because daddy keeps playing with his dolls, which are you know, as stewardess a metaf- dolls. As a metaphor, I do not like him as a human, but as a metaphor, I was like, okay. It's a solid metaphor. Yeah, the kids get it. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's basically like, you know, I want to go sleep around with people. Yeah. And I, your mom doesn't want me to. And we get the lesson that, you know, monogamy is not... A choice. What does he say? It's like he keeps repeating this mantra. Monogamy isn't realistic. This is what Amy Schumer lives by. Mm-hmm. And now we meet Amy Schumer, who plays Amy. Right. Okay. So, uh, you know, up front, what we have here is a Judd Apatow joint. He produced and directed it. Amy Schumer wrote the script. A lot of his films that he either produces or directs, the person writes the script and they go to Judd and they're like, help me make this movie. That's yeah. what happened with Bridesmaids. That's what happened with Big Sick. It's kind of like, make me, make me yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And uh, I think Big Sick is actually the best version of this that Judd produced, Michael Showalter directed, and it was Kumal's and Emily's story. Yeah. Like that was the best, like, yeah thing and i don't know with this how much of it is truly amy's story as opposed to she just wanted to write a funny movie yeah i don't know there's something about it that rings like there there might be some real things like it feels like the dad stuff feels a little bit more close to home yeah anyway but the other stuff feels more like window dressing i don't know but so we we meet who she is in real life and she's a train wreck so she's um she kind of sleeps around um, her words, not mine. So, and she's she's pretty presumably selfish. Yeah, where she's like, I'm just out to get me mine and yeah. then kick you out. 
Yeah, and kinda. she she feels like Billy Crystal in When Harry Met Sally a lot of the time. Yeah, where she's like living her New York life. She's like sleeping around. She doesn't want to cuddle after sex. She yeah. wants the person to go home or she'll go home immediately. Like these are tenets that Harry yeah. is like very much a believer in. And I think Billy Crystal would be like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. And and she's she's kind of like I'd say she's kind of like the sloppy Billy Crystal. Yeah. Because she is she is like coming home drunk on um on fairies from Staten Island, yeah. you know she is she is living up to the the title of this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we get that she works at this place called Snuff, Snuff? as in sure S- enough. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like a Maxim magazine kind of magazine. And are those yeah. still around anymore? It's, it's weird because it feels like it feels like Maxim, but not it because it like we also don't see a bunch of like women scantily clad on any of the magazines yeah it's it's much more like disgusting articles yeah it's more like if gq and maxim maxim combined yeah a little bit um but this was in 2015 it's like i don't think you can work in a magazine anymore as like your cool (laughs) new york job like it's more like they still exist vanity fair still does its thing yeah but it's more of a digital brand like they were like we got to make the magazine like cover it's like that doesn't feel important anymore like what feels important is like things going viral and like being it's much more things are being posted like over like immediately not like working towards a big story this week yeah, well, the other thing was that didn't make sense with that was she and Bill Hader, spoiler alert, they start dating and she's she's doing a story on him. But like the timeline doesn't make sense because by the time her stories do, it's been months. Months have gone by, <laughs> and it's like you're not a quarterly. You Don't, you need what to are you have talking this about yesterday. You're not a biannual magazine. Yeah, so like, okay, we'll suspend our display for that. Somebody will, I guess. You, you need to have something. Like, what else are you doing all day, Amy? Like, you have yeah. How, how many, many more articles are you having to write? <laughs> how many in the words are in this essay? Like, we had to do those in the day in school. So I know when I you was... were at the Inlander, what was your like when you did that Harry Potter thing? You had a day to do harry potter no no i had a week you had a week okay but i had, had a, a week i had a week to do the article how did that you get that um oh it was just because i was like i think every single one of the interns that summer got like their article to write i and think you got the final harry potter book review for the well yeah it wasn't Weekly. just a book review though it was like we did just kind of a a a review of Harry Potter books, like what did you think was going to happen in the books? And we oh, did this so big, big poll. Feature. Cool. Yeah. And yeah, it was really fun. You did it in little... a week. Yeah. But Catch up, week. Amy. Catch up. Yeah. There's a lot that doesn't make sense about that <laughs> job. Um, but anyway, so she's doing this job and she works with other comedians. And yeah. she's, her best friend is Vanessa Bayer doing Which... the best friend thing. I'm not smiling. I'm just very nervous. And Tilda Swinton's her boss and she's like, Stop smiling. Stop smiling. It, she's like kind of like neutral evil. Yeah. I like Tilda Swinton in this role because it's Tilda Swinton. I do too. I think Tilda Swinton does a great job. I think the writing of her is cartoonish. It is cartoonish. They're all they're all cartoons. Everybody at this job's a cartoon. Yeah. We, we meet, uh, who else did we meet? Fake Jim. Randall oh, fake Park. Jim. Yeah. Uh, John Glasser, who, look him up. You know him. He's you, one you of those them, guys. Yeah. Um, they're just kind of gross uh, male co-workers but amy doesn't seem to mind them yeah and and tilda swinton is like you think it's going to be the thing where she, like she just keeps giving them articles and then for no reason she gives 
Amy Schumer like the sports article because she's like, yes, conflict. And it's like, you're bad at your job, Tilda Swinton. Oh, I, I actually like this this plan on Tilda Swinton's part because it would be I would I would I would make the same assignment where it's like, what would it be like if my writer doesn't believe in the thing that this doctor is doing? So it's not gonna be a like a hagiography where it's like oh look at the look at the lord's work that they do and it would force the writer to really like question so why are you in this industry what what do you doctor what do you want to do this not like oh it's clear why this person's doing so i i got what I, tilda okay swinton i can get on board it. with this but it's hard for me to get on board with this because tilda swinton is such an agent of weird chaos yeah yes well she's she's like this weird gross version of miranda, miranda. priestly she's a bad a, a worse at her job, Miranda Priestly. Yeah, yeah, and more, uh, I don't know, gross. <laughs> like, like there's a lot of there's. Anyway, we'll get to him. Yeah. Um, so, Amy Schumer. Well, she's dating John Cena. I'm 250 lean. I look like Mark Wahlberg ate Mark Wahlberg. She, yeah, it's so good to see John Cena. Yeah, like she's sleeping around with all these other dudes, but like, and John Cena doesn't know this. Yeah, and but John Cena is such a sweetheart, and it's so fun to see like his early comedy. Yeah, with where he's gone now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. He's so sweet, and they they have sex, and he is he's just always a like not good at what she wants, mm-hmm. kind of, but in a sweet way, in a way I find endearing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I did too. They have this weird sex where he wants she needs him to talk dirty and he just, just flounders doesn't at know it. how. He's he's Chandler Bing of, of yeah. this situation. Yeah, he's very bad at it. Combining the suaveness of Chandler Bing with the absolute unnecessary dialogue of a George Costanza. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh and they have another time where they go out to the movies and uh he tries to pick well he gets Amy picks into the fight. a fight yeah. with another patron, and it just turns into um, a lot of unintended homoerotic I, innuendo. But I thought that's maybe where they were going with him, where he's like, actually, is he gay? Yeah, I wouldn't have mind seeing that resolution of like seeing him happy with another guy. I think yeah. that would have been nice. Or even just seeing him later, because eventually the two of them break up because he finds out that she's you know been sleeping with Doinking other people. Other and, and that's not even why. He just wants the relationship to be serious, and she's like... I don't yeah. like you. And sh- the scene ends with her kind of like saying, can we be done? Like, are we? Yeah. Cause she's kind of high and I'm, <laughs> we're really skipping around this movie a little bit, but it really does illustrate that sh- this character is not very likable. She's pretty selfish. And yeah. he's just like, you're a mean person. Yeah. And he leaves. And I wanted that. I wanted that to come full circle for their relationship too. Oh, well, it was full circle. It was over. Yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> that's what you get when you're mean and selfish. Your relationships will end. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And the other characters here are Brie Larson, her sister. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be with that guy. Best sex that you've ever had guy is in jail. You know what I mean? Who is kind of just a sweetheart and an amazing actress like usual, Brie yeah. Larson. Thank you for being here. And she's married to Mike Birbiglia. Yeah. And he he's has, also sweet. He has a son. And so it's. Brie Larson's stepson, and she and he like, always calls her mother. Yeah, and Amy makes fun of her for this, and I I get why because that would be kind of weird of of the little kid going sure. mother. I definitely get why, but also Amy sucks. She's mean about it, <laughs> so so it's like oh too far, Amy. Yeah, she always takes it too far, and that's the train wreck persona that she's yeah taking embodying on right here and so they they have like this whole subplot with colin quinn their dad is like 
He he looks like he's 50, but he's in a retirement home with a bunch of 80-year-olds. Yeah. Oh, and he, one of the other retirees that are with him is Norman Lloyd, who is 100 when they made this movie. Norman Lloyd is one of the most important character actors in the history of Hollywood. He's worked with so many filmmakers, including Alfred Hitchcock, in a great film, uh, which is called Saboteur. It's fantastic. If Norman Lloyd isn't the guy from um, from the Clock movie, right? The um, Something Now Danger now? No, that's not it. Um, what's the one where the guy's hanging from the clock on the edge of the building? Back to the Future. No. Wait, he's doing what now? Uh, safety now. Safety last. That's Harold Lloyd. Harold Lloyd. No, he's not that old. Okay, Harold well, Lloyd. <laughs> he, he said very old. Well, no, he was he was Harold uh, Lloyd. Thank yeah, you. He made Saboteur in 1942, so I guess it wasn't. Oh, he was that one off. of the bad teachers in Dead Poets Society. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's a legend, um, yeah. and only just recently died. So it was nice to see him. Yeah, it was. Uh, Colin Quinn is their dad, and he's a drunk, and he's mean, and he's yeah. racist, and he's sexist, and we he's just kind like of a boob. Him. Yeah, but we get that Amy loves him, and mm-hmm. that's family for you. You have yeah. you kind of love the people. And there's something kind of real in that. Yeah. You know? Uh, where and she definitely takes after him. Yeah. So you can see why she loves him more than Brie Larson. Yeah. And there's like this whole subplot where they like Brie Larson wants to move him into a cheaper retirement home because the one he's in is extremely expensive. Yeah. And Amy Schumer's like, no, we're gonna keep him in the nice one. But we don't really get why there's a conflict. Like, is one of them poorer? Like, we like right. Amy, Amy Schumer is like wanting to get a promotion at her job so that they can afford this really nice one. Yeah, is Brie Larson wanting a cheaper place for him because it's truly a money suck on her and she can't afford it, or she just doesn't feel like taking care of her dad as well as she can because she has such a terrible relationship? Yeah, with I wasn't quite sure, but they don't really get into yeah. that. Um, we we can only just assume things, but plot. Basically, Bill Hader. Yeah, she thought I was a psycho. She kept calling me Dexter. Is this doctor who works on a bunch of? He's like a sports medicine doctor mm-hmm. who does all these great surgeries for a bunch of um, pro athletes. And Amy Schumer has to write this this article on him. And we get to meet Bill Hader, who's the sweetest, coolest dude in the entire world. Yeah, and is best friends with LeBron James. Yeah, my boy got a girlfriend like man it's been forever yeah and they have a adorable friendationship him and lebron james i think those are my favorite scenes in the movie they have the best chemistry in this movie i was blown away by (laughs) how good lebron was used first by Mm -hmm. um judd apatow i I feel like he used him in the right way for comedy but also how much of his own that he held in comedy it's the weirdest thing that some of the greatest athletes make really good actors. Sure. And some don't. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, it's not just that it's LeBron James is doing good acting. It's like, it's the LeBron James. It's not just any old basketball player. Yeah. It's one of the top basketball players of all time doing oh, yeah. a really good job here. Oh, yeah. So, congratulations. You there's What can't you do, LeBron? But we have kind of a, a situation between Amy and Bill who don't have a lot of immediate chemistry together where yeah. she does make fun of everything that he's about. Yeah. And it's not connecting. And for he some like reason, doesn't get it. He yeah. doesn't get her. Yeah. And she doesn't get him. But for some reason, they meet in person to try to schedule an interview. Yeah. Which is fine, I guess. Gets him in the room, I guess. And what happens next? Uh, well, they have a lot of awkward conversations, and it just kind of ends really awkwardly, and they decide to kind of like, okay, well, we'll just keep working together. But I think 
they have another meeting where they're talking, and I think that's when he needs to go to the retirement home and help the dad out. No, that's no, after. They already started after. dating. Something happens where they end up going to dinner together. Oh, that's right. He's running her on the machine, and then she sees that her sister wants to move the dad into yeah, a new so retirement home. Yeah, so she has home, a so panic attack out. while on a, a, a no, I was going to say stroller. Right. And, and then a, they go out, have drinks, and then they end up sleeping together. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so things just kind of escalate all of right. a sudden for them. And then, like, he basically after they hang out a little bit more, he's like, hey, I like you. We should date. And he's very straightforward. And she's like, uh, she's totally freaking out. No, because she's like, she doesn't want to be, she's terrified of relationships. Mm-hmm. And she's like a 1990s leading man where she's like afraid of commitment yeah. and all these things and, and doesn't want it. They really pile that on because her best friend later, when, when he's trying to ask her out over the phone, Bill Hader is. And like the LeBron's like, come on, do yeah, it. Yeah, Coaching him through it. Her best friend's like, Oh my gosh, is he a stalker? Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. And I don't know it, it. I get that they were like flipping the dynamic a little bit, but I hated everybody at the magazine. Yeah. <laughs> like even I her best you're friend. supposed to, I don't yeah. think you're supposed to like any of them. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, Interesting. I was like glad that she was eventually fired and leaving that world. Right. Oh, we also meet Ezra Miller as the oh, yeah. intern. This is pre Ezra Miller is having a hard time every week in the news. Ezra Miller. Yeah. But man, <laughs> it's just kind of like, oh, they're here. Okay. <laughs> I guess I can deal with that. Ezra Miller, who actually I enjoy Ezra's acting for the most part, especially in uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower. I oh, think it's right. Very choice. Yeah. But here, he's here. They're here. They're here. They're here. They done. Um, yep. And yeah, then, I mean, basically, Bill Hader just inundates himself in Amy Schumer's relationships, is a cool dude. Yeah. And then she, they get in a fight for some reason. Oh, after Well, the... you skipped over 47 minutes. Sorry, go ahead. This movie's two hours long. It's a long movie. Judd Apatow... This is our worst description <laughs> of a movie ever. No, it's not, because the movie doesn't have a plot. They forgot to write one. She meets, she meets Bill Hader, and they do nothing for 47 minutes straight, where they just date, and there's just yeah. funny scenes, and nothing really happens. Yeah. And I need Judd Apatow to borrow my scissors. Because he needs to cut some scenes. Because he thinks scenes <laughs> are going, and he's like, this is hilarious. It's like, you are really overindulging he, he, in all yeah, this. Yeah, he doesn't need to just cut some scenes. He needs to cut, like, the back half of all the scenes. Yeah. It just goes on forever, where Amy's dating this guy. And, like, maybe a little bit of it is, like, her hesitancy with it. But she seems to be enjoying it. And he, like, meets Brie Larson and Mike Birbiglia. And, like, there's baby showers and more stuff with the dad. Nothing really happens. Nothing progresses. There's no No. arc to this movie. Everything's fine. And then the dad dies. Yeah, which I thought was a surprising plot point. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, especially because he looks like he's 50. Yeah. And well, he he OD'd is what happened. Is that he was right. hoarding his right. pain medication, so he OD'd. He didn't die naturally. Yeah. But I I did not expect that in a universal comedy by Judd Apatow. I, I still didn't think it would go there. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's it's funny because it, it like brings us all around to this very poignant scene at the funeral where Amy is giving a a eulogy of her father, and she does that thing where she admits to his faults. And then finds a way to love him anyway, which mm-hmm. is what everybody there seemed to do. I wish we would have seen a little bit more of that in him as an actor. Like maybe, maybe you did, but it was like, 
Like she was describing this person that I didn't know. Yeah. Well, I got the sense that she cared for him in the scenes that she was in there with him. Right. I got that sense too. But everybody so. else there was like, yeah, you know what? He was one of my favorite people. Like even Alistair thought he was the favorite, like a, a great guy. And apparently he hated Alistair. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then there's, he, this is when Bill Hader tells Amy that he's in love with her and she doesn't take that very well at all um, yeah, because she's having it, a rough day. I'm like, I kind of get where you're coming from, she, but what's wrong with someone saying they love you? Yeah. Uh, because I get, there are bad times to say, I love you. And she just had a fight with Brie Larson, but he didn't do it in a way that was like, Hey, I just want you know, selfish. I love you. Yeah. It was more so he like walked up to her and gave her a hug. He's like, Hey, I love you. Yeah. And it was just like a supportive, I love you. And then she was so mad at him yeah <laughs> and it was like he's there for you and i get your dad just died but yeah you're not a fun person to and be around so what follows is like this epic arguments between them wait 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 is that when they argue oh no they have an argument it's it's after that they they go to him being honored yeah so the, he goes to a doctor's yeah. without borders thing he gets honored and he at his speech amy had to take a call from her shitty boss quote unquote had to yeah and it was what was weird is like we see tilda swinton being like kind of chill as a boss and then like she calls amy and texts her it's like you will lose your job you must take this call right the second yeah there's there's a lot made in this script that's like you gotta get that promotion amy schumer and i can give it to you and it's like it just seems like you're gonna give her the promotion and she shouldn't have to freak out about it yeah so she misses the speech that Bill Hader gives and Bill Hader sees her leaving and kind of assumes the worst of like, you abandoned me out there. It's like, well, her dad did just die and you never know. Like maybe there was a reason to take that phone call, but Amy doesn't do a very good job covering up for it. And so they, yeah. Uh, and I do actually like his dynamic here with her and her dynamic where she's like, they start fighting, right? And she immediately thinks, well, that means the relationship's over. Yeah, he's like, what the hell are you talking yeah. about? And he's like, oh, no, no, we're, we'll work through it. It'll be fine. And I like that. I feel like this movie has moments like that where it's, yeah. it's like, okay, you two are from two completely different relational backgrounds. Here. Yeah. Like he slept with three people his entire life and then she's, you know, innumerable. And his idea of commitment or getting through things is different than hers. And it comes to a head at this fight that they have that goes all night long. And we've all been there. Oh my gosh. I related to the scene. So <laughs> wow. Cause there's a part where his eyes are just glazing over and he's just falling asleep. You're sleeping. You were just asleep. No, I wasn't. Okay, good. Because I am not even close to done. Okay. I have a lot of thoughts and I'm thinking very clearly right now. And I hate, to have done that but there just are times where it gets there <laughs> yeah i specifically was in a really horrible relationship that had a lot of these discussions that could just never get resolved yeah never get resolved <laughs> and it is painful and it is tiring because you're both just trying to be there for each other but there's like a little bit of ego that you need to be understood and if the person's not understanding you you have to go back in and explain it again yeah and it's like i'm so glad i don't do that 24 7 anymore because that was hell on earth yeah but seeing it like writ large i was just having like a little flashbacks and like oh oh that oh, oh. yeah it's, it's, it's rough. So Bill Hader didn't get any sleep the night before. He goes to the surgery he's supposed to perform. Funny scene where he can't uh, do anything right. And Amari Sodomite is like, like please, we, no. We need to not do this. <laughs> uh, so the surgery get can't, gets canceled. And so 
Bill Hader needs to take a break from Amy because. Yeah. And he just asked, he's like, we're going to do it in two days. Let's just put this on hold yeah. for two days and then come back to it. And I feel like at this point in time, this is a very reasonable request. Yeah. And Amy's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> and so they, they basically break up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she has tiffs with her sister who's pregnant also, by the way. And so she has the classic, you know, modern comedy conundrum of, oh, all my relationships are screwed up because of me. And, oh, my life is so screwed up because of me and I must find redemption. And so I'm going to go learn how to dance with cheerleaders. Oh, (laughs) wait, wait, wait. We're missing a huge plot point here where she gets drunk after she breaks up with Bill Hader. And this is the dark night of the soul. She gets drunk. Mm -hmm. She goes partying and she ends up partying with Ezra Miller and they go back to their place and there's some really awkward sex scenes. Like really awkward sex scenes. Which is only more awkward if you've been reading the tabloids about Ezra Miller in the first place. Like, ah, I don't want to (laughs) know. It's Adderall. I have ADHD, so it just helps me with my education. They decide to go a place for comedy here, which is that Ezra Miller is 16. Mm -hmm. And she accidentally punches them. Well, not accidentally. She punches them because it gets into some rough stuff. And uh, yeah, (laughs) uh, but it's it's like it it could have just been like an awkward sex scene. But no, it's awkward. And they're 16. Yeah. And I don't know how. 16-year-old Ezra Miller gets this internship at this giant magazine and you don't know he's there 16. I think Amy's really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> like not paying attention. Yeah. We've got that she's kind of just Yeah, cuz when they're having a conversation, she's not she listening doesn't really to really listen to him. So that's no. on her. Yeah. <laughs> she could have known. Yeah. And so she loses her job essentially. Um and her best friend gets the other promotion that she wanted which did seem that big of a deal to amy in the long run no and there's like this scene where like she's getting fired and everybody comes into the office and it's awkward and weird and dumb anyway but then her friend comes in and is like oh great i'm so glad that you're not mad at me after amy pretends to be mad at her and it's like what are you how did you why it's not funny that you just appeared here to have this conversation yeah it's really weird to direction just, anyway i think it was like i feel like i'm kicking this movie well now. i think judd would be like wouldn't it be funny if this happened and then he does it and it's like i need you to think these things through buddy yeah like i need you to ask should we do this then there's this other really unnecessary scene where lebron has an intervention with bill Hader. right what can i rewrite the movie here yeah you write your first draft with your heart and you rewrite with your head Okay, so this shouldn't have been an intervention scene because... There's nothing Bill, to intervene. Bill, he Bill, didn't do Bill, anything wrong. Bill Hader's basically been an angel this whole time. And for some reason, Matthew Broderick and a couple sportscasters are there. Yeah. And they're all like, you need to go get Amy because you let her go and you you ruined the relationship. And we're all like, what? <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about? But what the scene should have been is... Basically, Amy had gone to talk to LeBron and Mm. had done something to get him to come down there. Like, they should have just combined this with the end scene, I think, to get the movie over just a little faster. It should have just been a thing where Amy got together with his best friend and fixed things somehow. 
Yeah. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It's not even a good rewrite. It's a start. <laughs> because there's this scene with this intervention because Bill Hader screwed it up with Amy, which isn't even true. And Matthew Broderick's there for color. And because yeah, he was at the studio that day. <laughs> yeah. And the sports cat, the gag is like the sportscasters are like commenting on the intervention, like sportscasters. And I'm like, why are you guys so desperate to get the ESPN crowd into this movie? Like LeBron's here. John Senna's here. These sportscasters are here. Matthew Broderick's here. Cause I guess you need the Broadway fans too. But yeah, it just felt like a really weird, desperate ploy to get these cameos in a scene that just didn't work at all. Yeah, like the the co- the comedy felt like they were stepping into Leslie Nielsen territory for a second, yeah. and it just really clanged against whatever else they were doing. Yeah, and so nothing happens with that scene, and then Amy Schumer just realizes that she wants to be with Bill Hader, and this sequence doesn't make sense because she does. She gets fired. She gets fired. She does the when Harry met Sally run to the thing where the person's at. Right. Like but desperate... this is after she cleans up her apartment. Oh, yeah. She decides to stop being a train wreck. She's and like she goes to Brie Larson and patches up with Brie Larson. And that's a nice. The thing is, that's a nice scene couched in the middle of everything else. Yeah, it is a very nice scene. Yeah. And she kind of makes up with the stepson who's actually kind of an angel. So, yeah. Uh, but Amy's like, I can't do this anymore i'm like what specifically yeah like what do you what mean? is what that you're not doing anymore i can't train wreck anymore yeah is that what you're saying and so she kind of cleans up her apartment and gets rid of her drugs and her alcohol and it's not even like she's like coked out doing heroin it's just like she smokes weed every yeah. once in a while I, the train wreck doesn't seem to be the drinking the drugs or it just seems to be your personality yeah. And, and so are you just saying I'm I'm changing right now? You're just going to stop being selfish? Is that what yeah, it is? Maybe that's it. But it was a weird weirdly written way to say that. It, it felt a little bit cowardly. Yeah. And so the, I do want to say Amy Amy Schumer wrote this movie. I'm not poo-pooing all the writing cuz I do think that there are good parts to it. Mm-hmm. I think Amy Schumer's best comedy though in this movie comes from her physical yeah. work. Which is really good. Yeah. But I don't know. <laughs> Some other stuff just doesn't hit. So the end of the movie, she's like gotten rid of all her stuff. She's cleaned up. She's decided to stop being such a train wreck, I guess. Yes. And when it's Amari Stoudemire's, like he's already recovered. He's had his first game. Yeah. Um, and they're like, oh man, how's the game going to go? It's like, well, if he's out there on the court, I guess it's going to be fine. Like his knee is fine. Mm-hmm. Y- you did it. Yeah. Mission accomplished. Um, and she's like, Running, sprinting to Madison Square Garden because she's got to be one of the one. And so I thought she, she was going to try to get there during the game or something. Yeah, but, but no, the game's over. A cheerleader comes up to Bill Hader and she's like, "Hey, you need to go out to the court." I'm like what? And he's like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> and then Bill Hader makes some of the cutest faces you've ever seen. Yeah. And so Amy goes out there with all the cheerleaders because there's a scene earlier where she's making fun of cheerleaders because she doesn't understand why right. cheerleaders are a thing and. You know, Bill Hader defends them. He defends them, and we actually also get where she's coming from, but we also get where Bill Hader's coming yeah. from because it's one of those traditions. What, yeah. what can you say? Um, and she, Amy Schumer, comes out in full cheerleader regalia and does a full routine with the cheerleaders. Why were you, if this was planned, why were you having a sporadic run to Madison Square Garden? Yeah, like 
could we could we get I get a reason why you were late? Maybe what what was what, what it, you planned it, this? It was to build tension, <laughs> but I don't get it. Yeah, you rehearsed this many times. You knew specifically when, where, and how this was going to go down. So why were you running? It to did this thing. It it did seem there was something about it that seemed like spur of the moment. And then when I saw it happen, I was like, "Wait a second, this is planned." And so you didn't think it through at all. There's there's this good thing about like Bill Hader is such a fun character where he is he's loves Billy Joel specifically Uptown Girl. And yeah. he listens to it every surgery it's a he good does. Jam. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's you know it's great. It's about <laughs> Elizabeth Hurley. Is it? It's it's about whoever he was dating at the time, who I believe was Elizabeth Hurley. Oh, Hugh Grant would have words for him then. Maybe it's not Elizabeth Hurley. It's a, it's a model slash actress. Okay. So I don't know which one. I started going out with a lot of women at one time. I was like 30, in my mid-30s. And before I, uh, I was going out with uh, Christy, I was going out with Elle McPherson. Nobody knows this, but it's true. I was going out with her for like uh, half a year. It was, no, wasn't going to work out. She's like so tall, you know? <laughs> we looked like the word low, you know, when we went out. But it was great. So I was going out with her. I was going out with, and then I was going out with Christy, and I was going out with these uptown girls. She does this dance routine to like twelve different songs. Mm-hmm. Some of them basketball ones. Some of them bad pop songs, like a lot of the other bad pop songs in this movie. And then finally, Uptown Girl happens. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, this is obviously for Bill Hader right here. And then she's like, I gotta go do more stuff. And she gets back in there. I was like, this whole thing should have taken 30 seconds and it should have just all been Uptown Girl. Yeah, it's like, you guys did it. It's Yeah. You don't need to do more. And then she does like a jump and then they make out on on the... It's a, it's a pretty good bit of physical comedy where she does a double flip. I don't actually think that's her. No. But uh, then they make out in front of everybody for a while and it's like... In the chair and the movie's out. Yeah. What did you think of this movie? I've never liked Bill Hader more in a project I disliked this much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's funny because I, it was almost like this movie was in teams where half the characters were written intentionally to be gross and dumb mm-hmm. and the other half were written to be good, cool people. Yeah. And I liked all the stuff with the good, cool people. I didn't like all the stuff with the bad people. And it's like, I, there's something about that I didn't like where I was just like, well, yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess you wrote a very uncomplicated script. Yeah. That I didn't quite super enjoy. Yeah. But I did like all these other people in it. So thank you for giving me good people. Yeah. And so I didn't like the movie. (laughs) I think Judd Apatow is on this drift away from conventional plots, which I guess is fine. Yeah, in something like The Big Sick, it works really well. Yeah, but there's still a plot. There's a plot, but it's it's not it, what you'd think. It doesn't go the way you think it would go. Yeah. It's a romantic movie where the main romantic lead is in a coma 90% of the time. Yeah, and the main romance is between him and our, his, her parents. Him and her parents, yeah. So that's that's amazing. There's a true arc to that. Yeah. There isn't an arc to this movie. She's a train wreck for a while, and then she stops being a train wreck. She she is not a train wreck at the end because... Reasons. Like, Alistair at one point in time is like, you can invite Bill Hader over, and then he doesn't understand why, because they've broken up, and she's she's like, 
he's she's like, oh, do you not like him anymore? I get it. And she's like, no, he's my best friend. And she's like, oh, that means that I need to go get get him. And I that's like half of what you needed. There needed yeah. to be something. Like, why is she? Why is she apologizing to her sister? Why did I mean? I get it. Sometimes time heals wounds. Yeah. And sometimes you need to step away for a second but it's just like there's so much bad comedy that this movie was focused on they're like let's go watch all of her people at the magazine make bad jokes again yeah like why why are we here yeah what the movie needed was a plot where you do all this you do all this character development but you have it revolving around a plot and i think judd apatow is just not interested in doing plots i think he's just interested in character work and jokes and bits and it's like that's good for sketches and stand-up comedy Mm -hmm. and for improv but movies need to have stories being told you're not telling a story you're just having a one-woman show at this point this is I, i i don't know who did ghostbusters the um the chris and wig version oh yeah but it was funny how i was directed by paul feig who directed bridesmaids okay there was there was something about that where i was it, it felt a lot of the comedy felt very apatow ish yeah but it had just enough plot for me to be like okay this isn't boring me with comedy yeah and granted i didn't love the movie but it it's a step up from from this style of comedy because at least there's something going on yeah like I feel like if this movie was made into a drama instead of a comedy, I would like it more. Right, right, because then it would just be like focused on the realism of her life. Yeah, but since it's a comedy, you're abstracting it and you're making it a genre piece, and so it's it's kind of hard to believe and buy as a movie because they're doing grounded realist character work, but they're also trying to make it a comedy. And honestly, I I do think as much as I don't like the movie, I do think. The premise is brave. In what way? You, as Amy Schumer, are writing a script about a character who is unlikable. Mm-hmm. And so you're initially saying, I'm going to play a character who is pretty unlikable, and I'm going to try to lean into that. And she does. Like, she really makes herself an unlikable person to date. Yeah. And, like, there's there's this time where Bill Hader, who's just being a complete sweetheart, like, invites her to this basketball jam Mm -hmm. and she doesn't want to be there and at one point in time she like leans over and she does that thing like hey how long does this last (laughs) and it's like shut up yeah and there's i do see a slight bit of nobility in making yourself bald-faced bad yeah but i also need a reason to enjoy you yeah i think what they should have done is give it a plot like what if she wanted on her own volition to quit drinking? And so she enters a program. Ooh, okay. And like the movie's plot would be about her week to week trying to quit drinking mm-hmm. and being in a program of AA or something to that effect mm-hmm. and see her struggle with that while she's dealing with all these extra stresses that would drive her to drinking, like her dad driving her crazy and then dying. The promotion. The promotion all the stuff with Bill Hader and trying to turn her life around. But since there's no plot, she's just kind of just there as a person, which is more 
The plot is she has to write this article. Yeah, and that just kind of stops being a thing. And then eventually her, her article get, get, gets canceled, and it's like, oh, was that still a thing? Yeah. Were we still worried about that? Because she's not super worried about getting a promotion. She's not super no. worried about what that means for her career. Like, eventually she gets her article published somewhere else, but I don't know what that will do for her because it, it doesn't really explore that. Yeah. The way that Devil Wears Prada we're always aware of why she's doing what she's doing and mm-hmm. what's at stake. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing really at stake for Amy. So there's just a lot of, not a lot of conventional storytelling things, which just isn't for us. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it works if it's not a Universal Studios, like big budget comedy. I don't know why you're doing this structure here. I yeah. think Judd Apatow thinks he can get away with it. And to his credit, he did. It made it was yeah. made for $30 million. I went it made to see a, it in theaters. It was made for 130 It made $130 million. So it's like, you did it. Good job. But you could have made way more if you made it something that we all... Wanted to come back to. Yeah. Yeah, like this is not knocked up. Yeah, or... 40-year-old virgin, um, at least in Knocked Up, you had a lot of characters that were kind of gross and despicable, but none you still couldn't help but wanting to hang out with them. Yeah. There's something likable about these vagabonds. Yeah. And in this movie, the people who are have any sense of unlikability are just straight up, they're like white bread unlikable. Yeah. Where they're like, yeah, we work at a magazine and are gross. And it's like, cool. Well... I'm glad I know that about your character. <laughs> Whereas like at the at the knocked up house, it was like, okay, this couple lives here and they're real goofy, but we see them like eight different times doing different things where they're just basically super high. But there's like nice things that they say to um to Kristen Heigl. Catherine Heigl. Catherine Heigl, thank you. Yeah. Where where it's like, oh, you know what? There's so a bad. genuine person in there, yeah. you know? And yeah, so anyway, this is like a two for me. Okay. Because there, I think there were funny parts. Like, <laughs> I I think John Cena is really funny. I think Bill Hader is very funny. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to strip Amy Schumer's writing down to its basics and say, all of this is your fault. Yeah. Because I, I do think Judd and your editors, you need to... Get it together. Well, you could easily have lost 45 minutes of this film and have no impact whatsoever. And you really don't justify the length of this movie or many of your other films. You could have kept going in any of the LeBron, Bill Hader scenes, and I would have been there for it. Yeah, but man, is it self-indulgent where you think this movie is justified at being this long. You aren't worried about our experience of it. You're you're just self-indulgent. And I was looking up his other movies. That one he made with Pete Davidson... Nearly two and a half hours. King of Staten Island. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I thought it was longer. Um, no, but I'm like, no, thank you. I do not want to go see that. That sounds boring. Because like the first 45 minutes, I was like sitting there. I was like, (laughs) and then the movie kept going. I was like, (laughs) 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 and it gets the funeral scene and then just the wind gets sucked out of it it's like are we still here are we still going and takes a long time for it to end so not for us but there's still a lot to enjoy about this movie i would youtube bits about this yeah i think that's where this movie really is valuable yeah and 
good for her for her honest writing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so what are you giving it? A three. Because I still thought it was funny. But a three means I will never visit you again. And it wasn't a complete loss of time. But So you gave Easy A a three. I think you said a 3.25. And so you're saying quality-wise, this one pretty close to that one. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not going to come. I'm not going to walk down the stairs to your two. I'm going I'm to stay up here in my three. No, that's fine. I, I really do think there are some really great parts to this film. And honestly, I did like the. There was something about the lens choices I enjoyed. Yeah, this movie was shot on celluloid. It's shot yeah. on film. Yeah, you could definitely tell in the exterior scenes, like near nighttime. Yeah. It was like, oh, there's some. There's it had some... it had a romantic yeah. haze to it. So yeah. There's that. Well. Let's uh, let's cleanse our palate and go over to Trope Talk. And welcome back to Trope Talk. It's like cantaloupe talk because was this movie a melon? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Are cantaloupes melons? Maybe. Maybe. So the trope this week, Ryan, is going to be, gotta clean up my act. Ah! How does one clean up their act in a rom-com? Well, oftentimes it literally involves cleaning. Yep. And a montage. Oh, for sure. One of the most famous that I always point to is 500 Days of Summer. Because mm-hmm. uh, his life's a mess after Summer breaks up with him. And he's just going to be a mess until a rock song comes on. <laughs> and he starts to get the motivation. And you know what? Sweet <laughs> No, it's a different song. It's, oh, it's That's on that soundtrack. It's though. on there. But he's he's cleaning up. He's like, well, what if I was a an architect? Like, I always wanted to be. It's like, Okay. <laughs> Sure. You really hate that part of that movie. It's um, just so irrelevant. I Whatever. No, I, I don't think it is. I really do think that this trope exists for a really good reason. I think it is overplayed. Mm-hmm. I will give it that. But there is, it is kind of the perfect setup for a metaphor mm-hmm. where it says, okay, my life's a mess. How do I show that? Mm-hmm. Right? Because we are in the realm of cinema. Yeah. And the way to show it, besides losing relationships or, you know, losing your job, which this movie does, she loses her job, she loses her relationship. She could go sit out somewhere and be alone, but we've already seen that in this movie through a half an hour of montage mm-hmm. where she's just like hanging out by herself. But the way to accentuate that is I need to fix things. And you can start that very simply by doing it physically yeah what are other examples of this um well with her she's like literally throwing out her booze yeah um and which, she i mean she i think it's just that she's cleaning her apartment and she happens to have a bunch of booze yeah um whisper she, of the heart i'm thinking of does she what does she clean she wants to and this isn't because her she's reached like a dark night of the soul or anything it's more like a romantic dark night of the soul where she's afraid of losing Seiji because he's traveling away and she wants to like prove to herself and to him and her parents that she's like worth being that she's worth being liked by this other boy that she likes Mm -hmm. and she doesn't think she is. And so what she does is she likes, she's like, I'm going to graduate. I'm going to do the thing so that I can keep going and keep progressing in my life and not just like drop off the face of the earth. And so she cleans up her room after her sister moves out. She starts getting better grades. She starts building herself back up so she can keep being the person that she wants to be, not the person she is now. And that's what this is really about. Yeah. I think in 27 Dresses, she literally gets rid of all 20... No, she doesn't get rid of all 27 Dresses because... She puts them all on at the same time and she's like, (laughs) look at me! (laughs) 
I'm Chandler. <laughs> Could I be wearing any more 27 dresses? <laughs> uh, but doesn't she get rid of them? But she doesn't because her bridesmaids all wear them. Well, maybe she sends them all to the bridesmaids. Yeah, maybe she just gets rid of them. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, they blow up their house. That's right. <laughs> uh huh. That's it's a little extreme, but good. Yeah. Um, Francis Ha. Oh, she gets a new place, and the reason why the movie is called Francis Ha, because that's how her name appears on her little apartment placard. Right, and but that's at the end. Like she, she gets a normal person job. Yeah, she basically is like, "Hey, I know I'm not going to be a professional dancer, but I'm going to like eat my pride and do something that will not only make me happy but make me money." Yeah, she does the thing. Um. With Knocked Up, Seth Rogen gets a real job. He stops trying to make a porn website. He reads the baby books. <laughs> he reads the baby books, and he gets a job at a regular website design right. place. Right. He does the thing. He does the thing that he's been resisting that whole time in this movie, and just does the thing. And I don't know. I don't really like this trope. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. I like it when it's more because, like take four weddings and a funeral there's so much we don't ever know about william william that's william which one's notting hill is he william william thacka is notting hill um yeah this is just hugh grant let's just call him hugh grant, hugh, hugh grant from four weddings and a funeral <laughs> we don't know what his job is we don't know what his other problems are his only problem is is her is carrie mm-hmm. um and the resolution of the movie is all about the very specific case of his wedding that he's at whether he should marry this not girl that's not Carrie. Well, it's funny because he goes through the he goes through this trope, but it's yeah. not to get to the girl. He goes through the trope in order to get married to this other woman. He like right. cleans up his act a little bit, gets married to this other woman, almost does anyway. Yeah. And then decides not to. Yeah. We don't even see we just see the result of what he's doing. And I think it's a lot more interesting that we're that would be fun to do this trope where they clean up their act and we see them. They're like, ah, I'm doing the thing I always should have been doing and and have the movie go. Now what? And like really drill into that and mm. see how that's working out for them, because it'd be fun to subvert that because that's what happens for Hugh Grant is that he uh, thought he was cleaning his act up, but he really wasn't. Sure. I Now I kind of want to start the movie off with a breakup. Yeah. Or like a rock bottom fix your life and then at page 30 it's like oh shoot maybe this isn't the life that it's it's on paper what i should have done all this time but well, still not what i should have done i i mean i think this is probably in every other movie that we've watched mm-hmm. but i think another reason why ex- it exists isn't just to come back from the depths of despair but i think a person is inherently less dateable if they're busy working on their stuff 24 seven. Yeah. What, what is that adage? It's like, don't try to fix the relationship. Try to fix yourself. Mm. Um, and maybe that's what this trope is getting at. Yeah. But it's, it, it, it feels a little too grand most of the time because you don't fix yourself. We don't ever fix ourselves. We're always a little bit broken and we're always reforming ourselves. That is completely true. But I, I do think that this happens a lot in life, especially post breakups, which you don't have a lot of experience with, <laughs> no. where you there, it's it's more about reevaluating the direction that you're heading and saying, okay, let me take a deep breath. And there's nothing like a good clean to at least make you feel reset. Yeah, 
And so I I connect to this trope. I I get that it's is way overplayed, and so I can get how it gets on your nerves. But I think it's very real. Yeah, I think I, it bothers me when it's just really broad, mm. where it's like I'm gonna get a new job. It's like your new job. We don't we don't care about your job. Go talk to the person that this movie's about. Sure. No, I I completely get that. Yeah. Um, which you know. You've already heard me complain about plenty. Like, I think my best friend's wedding is a really good resolution because she failed and needed to fail at her goal Mm because her goal was evil. Yeah. And her reset was the... Admitting it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I was evil. And her redeeming herself was making up and saving this wedding and doing nice things for for her her best friends. And let's take Notting Hill. He doesn't necessarily change his life or revamp his situation Mm -hmm. he simply has a really hard year without her yeah that's all that happens he montages himself into sadness and then sees her again and then like the last like quarter of the movie happens and his big reconsideration is not about what he's doing with his life but what he's doing about her and he has to really get into his trust and it gets very specific about what's going on in his head and that 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 feels much more maybe relatable because it's more specific and the universal is in the specific Mm. mayhaps mayhaps i deem it well you know what else you can be specific about what our patreon (laughs) (laughs) uh good news kelly we don't well who knows we've got a couple weeks left uh but currently in our September poll, the Let's Dance edition, we've got Footloose in the lead. Yes. Okay. Alongside Very excited. Save the Last Dance, Swing Time, and Step Up. But Footloose is winning. But Rob, if Robin is slightly upset that Save the Last Dance isn't, so if you want to make my wife happy, join the Patreon and vote for Save the Last Dance. You will be making a dream come true. Can for one, not a dream for one Robin song. Um, no matter what, we'll get to these movies, but how yeah. soon do you want us to get to these movies? I'm excited to see Footloose. I haven't seen a, a tractor chicken in a while. Yeah, uh, I need to see someone like really dance out their feelings. Oh, um, yeah. Smoking the cigarette, drinking some booze. And, and the whole reason dancing. we're doing this is because last September we got to watch somebody dance out their feelings with... Dirty Dancing. Yeah. One of the best discoveries... <laughs> discoveries as if I discovered America. <laughs> but one of the best... Like, for you hidden gems of oh my god where have this where has this movie been all my life had i watched that movie when i was like 22 and just getting into art house films i probably would have hated it but now i understand yeah well you were an idiot fair <laughs> point <laughs> so was i though um that's on the patreon this week i have an essay how fandoms can ruin art oh which is kind of is that in response to last week's essay where I talked about how I was reticent to watch the new Lord of the Rings because <laughs> the Hobbit made turned me off to it? A little bit. I think it, there's like I used to really, really like reading Star Wars books, but I super soured on it because I had this kind of like light bulb realization of what I was reading it wasn't a good book. It was just a lot of Star Wars stuff. But the person writing the book wasn't concerned with writing a good book. They were just writing, they were just concerned with having enough Star Wars stuff in there and then it would succeed as a Star Wars book. Okay. And um, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. 
when, when I was reading the Thrawn trilogy, which is hailed as one of the great Star Wars. Those don't count. Those are good books. I Okay. <laughs> yes. That The reason why they're good is because they're actually good books. Yes. But when I first started reading them, I, I challenge you to go back one more time with this in mind. The first half of that book is just references to the trilogy. Oh, there's and he makes dialogue callbacks, which is dumb, but yeah. I I do like the story that he's telling. No, I I do too, and I think the whole trilogy is actually really well written. But there there was a big fear in me when I first started reading that like, trilogy, oh, where I was like, suck? "Oh, is this just like basically Star Wars masturbating?" Right, which and is it, what some of the new books are. Yeah, and I, a lot of there's a lot of media with fandoms that this happens because. There's all these weird things like video games have tie-in novels. Like Halo has 30 novels, and but even Mass Effect has novels. And Warhammer Doctor Who has novels. Doctor Who has novels. Warhammer 40,000 has novels. So mm-hmm. if you really like tabletop gaming, there's some stories for you. And it, we're just in this weird place where if you really love a thing, there's all these different ways to experience it. Mm-hmm. But I also think people's critical eye gets totally dulled because they're so in awe of their fandom that they're not actually encountering the art as art they're encountering is how well will you serve up the vessel of the thing that i love well yeah and this is this is something that it's it's funny because i i don't i don't have that gear in me i am hypercritical of the stuff that i love yeah (laughs) and if it doesn't match up i'm like okay you're part of what i love but i don't think you're good yeah and for you you kind of told me you had a blind spot for star wars the way like somebody like eugene our good friend has a really big blind spot for marvel yeah right where it's like i'm gonna like this because it's part of this thing that i like yeah and I don't think that's there's anything wrong with that but I do think that it makes for eventually a big thinning out of quality mm-hmm. and an overall well we can just make anything and yeah. people will buy it yeah which is lazy and mean uh, not mean and but just shitty. above all just extremely capitalist yeah, yeah. and that's oh, you want to hear how stupid capitalist is <laughs> There are several <laughs> books from the from Del Rey Star Wars, yeah. and I've I've been that uh, annoying person on Facebook, and I've literally commented on Facebook uh, to Del to Del Rey. There is one book called Del Rey is a publisher. If yeah. you don't know, there is one book where it's set in Galaxy's Edge, as in the Disneyland corner where Star Wars is. There's yeah. a book set there. That, Wait, like literally in Disneyland? No. Or like the, Galaxy's Edge as a place? Galaxy's Edge okay. as a place. Okay. And there's characters who are running around, and they they write the book in a way of saying, you can go here. And it was the book was written to promote Disneyland. And it was like released as a traditional Star Wars book of like the next epic adventure in Star Wars where they go to Galaxy's Edge. It's like... What? <laughs> There's no reason for this other than to advertise that Disneyland has a new Star Wars attraction. And then there's a new book called The Princess and the Scoundrel. And it's about Han Leia. Han Leia. It's about Han and Leia getting married. Leia? I'm trying to f- see what their couple name would be. <laughs> they go on this... Lon. Obviously it's Lon. They go on this uh, galactic star cruiser for their honeymoon. And you can go to the galactic star cruiser as one of Disney's like premium experiences mm-hmm. where you can stay in this hotel that is a full like simulation. And the whole reason of this book is 
we are advertising what this thing you can do now. You can sign up for this. Uh-huh. And that's why the book exists. It's, cross, act- it's, it's, cross it's cross-promotional co- contamination. Yeah. You, you, the reason this book is getting written is because Disney paid you to write this book to show... Well, I mean, that's all of them. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> there's, other, there's other Star Wars novels where Timothy Zahn gets to play with these characters that have nothing to do with anything. Sure. It's like, so that's not promoting anything. But there's times where it's like, it's just pure capitalism. And mm-hmm. they're just like shoveling Star Wars at fans. Like, see, look, Star Wars, <laughs> give us money. It's like, guys, <laughs> I know. cut it out. I know. And for, for a very fleeting couple of seconds, those first, the first three books, the second book was fine, but the first three books that they put out of the new like Jedi age that they were yeah. the golden era. Yeah. Those were good. Yeah. Um, you know? But they're just... Uh, uh, read my essay if you want to learn okay. more. Yeah. And it's not just Star Wars. It's it's all all across the board. We have mm. this... Uh, what do you call it? Conflagulation? Conflagration? Everything's well, combining. Oh, oh, You have all these different synergies. You have all these... With Lord of the Rings, you not only have a TV show, but you have the video games. You have the original books. You have... I don't know if there's other books... But yeah, where's all of this for rom coms? Like, where are my rom com action figures? Where are my rom com comics? Where's the rom com video games? That's what I want to know. No, I want to play. Are, they they do have those. They're all Japanese. Well, um, speaking of rom coms and Lord of the Rings and video games, I think it'd be appropriate to give out a Golden Sword Award. She a blessing from the Lord. God be praised. The Golden Sword. That's right. And you can find your very own Golden Sword if you go on over to our Patreon. That's <laughs> patreon.com slash romcom gents. Okay, we don't have Just one up there plug one day. That. We one need day. to be capitalists a little bit. Just a little bit. You'll find our cross-promotional stuff all right here, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you won't have to go to a comic to figure out what happened on this episode. Mm-mm. Oh, who's getting the Golden Sword? <laughs> John Cena's penis. <laughs> The scene of pain. Yeah. Um, there's there's the scene where you, he's just like standing there in a towel and he has uh, a wicked post-coital boner. Yeah. Which like way to keep it up, dude. Yeah. And um, he just, I think he he can hang it on it. Yeah. He, he deserves it. He's a massive man all across he's the board. He's such a big man. Yeah. <laughs> just all across the board. Congratulations. You he, should be very proud. I want, I want The Rock and him to like have a, a buddy movie. That has nothing to do with action, like where they're both accountants. Oh, that would be really good. And they don't do any action whatsoever. They no, just do. They're like stuff. afraid of action. Yeah, that'd yeah, be that'd nice. Be fun. I'd like to see that. But they're just big beefy guys, <laughs> um, beefy boys. My golden sword is going to Bill Hader, who just uh, puts in a performance of a person who's actually pretty down to earth and realistic. He's yeah. not the greatest rom com lead like he's not this super duper charmer he's just being a dude yeah but in so far as he's doing that i could i could watch more bill Hader rom-coms yeah yeah so bring it on bill Hader. wait did you just ask me to bring it on i asked you you bill Hader, but i will no i I want you to bring it on because i want to give you the opportunity 
to give me, or this movie, a rom-com Oscar! That was very John Cena delivery. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like I, just couldn't, I couldn't quite do it. it. Out. I'm sorry, Amy. I'm sorry. I told you I'm not very good at this. There's a lot of things this movie does well, a lot of things it doesn't do well. It kind of is a big muddle. It's kind of yeah. like when we were doing finger painting, me you and said Theo. He's kind of a train wreck. Yep. Me and Theo were doing finger painting. And first he would draw some orange across, and then some blue, and then some yellow. I'm like, Theo, this is beautiful. And then he just put his hands and just kind of smushed it up and around. What is it with kids that do that? My daughter, she'll she'll eat like, I will just put spaghetti down in front of her, and she'll eat like a, you know, a queen for mm-hmm. 10 minutes. And then she'll look down at it, decide that it's bad, and go, <laughs> and it's everywhere. Yeah, and that's what this movie kind of turns into. Just kind of a big old mess. <laughs> Um, I didn't hear an Oscar in there. Yeah. I'm going to give best LeBron James. Best here. Can can you at least make it a legitimate Oscar? Because I guess best supporting actor. No, no. Or I guess best, best friend. I think you can say best sports actor. Best sports actor. Yeah. LeBron James. Because there James. could be other, other sports. Oh, actors. for sure. I think, um, Mike Piazza is in, I think he's in one that we've watched maybe. He's well, in anger management. Is that a is that a rom com? That's possible. Brett Favre's in. Uh, There's something about Mary. That's right. Mm-hmm. And but Brett I think Favre's Le- okay. He's okay. But LeBron. LeBron's great. LeBron's better. Yep. This is an Oscar that I think I I want to give out once a year. Okay. Okay. There's a scene after Bill Hader and Amy Schumer break up, mm-hmm. right? And Bill Hader is out there just being sad, mm. and he's like looking at a woman smoking and being like, ah, oh, Miss Amy. Mm-hmm. And he's at a sushi restaurant. And he's just alone eating sushi. He's like, oh, man. And Bill Hader, you don't need to be sad. You don't can move sad. on with your life. You're a great guy. And so I feel like we got a, a Bill Hader who deserved better. Ah, I think this is the Oscar for movie most exemplifying. You deserve better. <laughs> it's the you deserve better Oscar. You deserve better Oscar. I think you wouldn't let me get away with such things, but I will be generous towards you, oh, and you can you. have it. Um, That's a true friend right there. Okay, well, then you're going to have to really earn this one when I ask you, who would you fall in love with? Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends? The truth of it is, I've loved you from the first second I met you. <laughs> but mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul, and I love, I love, I love you. I know. Bill Hader. That's it's uh, very. I set you up for that. I I set you up for that. He's he's not only nice and kind and patient, but he like really involves himself in her life Mm -hmm. and. He's surrounded by all these like super hot cheerleaders. And unlike Billy Crystal in Forget Paris, he doesn't just sleep with all of them. He's he's focused on his job. But, you know, he's got a good friend who he also there's a great scene where LeBron doesn't pick up the check and he's like, Come on, pick up the you, you're literally yeah, LeBron because James. Because you're LeBron James. I think I I think this is one of those urban myths about LeBron is that he's really cheap and like they like he oh, his best so, his teammates make fun of him for oh, stuff okay. like that, yeah. where he like won't have like Comcast or cable or anything like that. He's like super like thrifty. Like, oh really? Yeah. Even though he's like one of the richest people LeBron in the world. James. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Bill Hader. Um, I'm going with Brie Larson. 
Uh, oh, great choice. Oh. Very safe choice. Oh. Extremely safe choice. Yes. She's also nice and kind mm-hmm. and patient. Yeah, she's all the First Corinthians things. <laughs> so, a very, very easy one. Yeah, and she's she's just got eyes. Yeah. Like she does this acting thing a lot in her movies where someone is saying something and she goes, wow, with her eyes. Uh-huh. And um, I like that trademark. She can cry well, too. Yeah. She's a good crier. It's normal. Should we tell people now? Yeah. Get them reading the book. Okay. Yeah. Everyone, an announcement. Uh, in a few weeks, mm. in a few weeks, we are going to be doing another book club and we will be doing Jane Austen's Persuasion. So... Two out of our three books from the <laughs> ma- ma- I was going to say ma- maestro, but the is maestro? it maestro? Maestra? Yeah. The meester? Leighton meester? Leighton meester? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, Jane Austen's Persuasion, because there's a Netflix movie, and if Kelly and I are going to review it, I need Kelly to be on the same page with me. We need to have the source material. Yeah, this is read. my Jane Austen blind spot. Yeah. This one, and gosh, um, have I read the rest of them at this point? Have Hold you done on. Northanger? Yeah. And Mansfield? Yeah. Emma? Had, yeah. Pride and Prejudice? Yeah. Sense and Sensibility? Yeah. Persuasion? Oh, yeah. This is my last one. There you go. Yeah. Now you just have the unfinished finished novels. You got to be a true blue yeah. Austin we'll fan. We'll see. Um, okay. So we will be doing Persuasion. So start reading. Yeah. Sometime in the next like three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm going to say for Persuasion as somebody who's most of the way through the first half right now, there's a lot of there's a lot of walking around and matchstick like stacking yeah. Yeah. things like that. But get into the get, I'm just gonna spoiler alert. Get into the character of Anne. Yes, she might not seem like the main character at first, <laughs> but she is. That's kind of <laughs> You'll the point. Get there. Yeah, that's totally the point. She doesn't. She literally doesn't have main character energy. No, that's no. the point. All right, Kelly, give me a number between one and one sixty four. My unlucky number, twenty nine. <laughs> Hey everyone, this is Kelly from the future. Um, we were going to go with Sex, Lies, and Videotape this week. That's what our random generator generated, but it's not available anywhere to rent. And we're not going to make you all buy Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Who knows if you even like it? I've never even seen it. Ryan likes it, but you know, that's no accounting for taste. So this week, Ryan randomly generated something else, sent me a text, and told me what it was. So we're doing Paul Bettany and Kirsten Dunst's Wimbledon, which I'm actually really excited about. So Wimbledon, that's what we're that's what we're watching next week. Let's let's go back to the past real quick. Well, Kelly, I want you to know that I love you so much that I would work with the New York Knicks cheerleaders and come up with a full on seven minute dance routine and film it with Judd Apatow directing me. Wow, Ryan, I love you so much that at your parents' funeral, I'd also tell you I love you. <laughs> Thanks. And this is where we will say goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. See you next week on the Gentleman's Guide. Rom-coms. Cats? I think it's cats. <laughs> My cats are here. 